John 20, 21 is our text for today. Should be up on the screen right now. I'll, uh, I'll read a few verses behind this to maybe help add a little more context to it. I'm going to start in verse 19 and read to 21. So John chapter 20, verse 19. Jesus is going to appear to his disciples. Spoiler alert. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They're really afraid. They just killed uh, their, their leader. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So that's that's our text. That's verse 21. That's what I want us to focus on today. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You. Each one of the Gospels contain this Great Commission type verse or passage. This statement that Jesus has, Jesus gives after his resurrection. Now most of us are familiar with the Matthew 28 passage. That's usually the one, um, that we always think of. Jesus says, go, make disciples, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things I have commanded you. That's, that's usually when we think of a great commission, we think of Matthew 28, but actually every gospel has this kind of great commission, more or less details, and, and this is John, this is the evangelist, this is the elders' great commission here in John chapter 20, verse 21. And this really builds upon the high priestly prayer that Jesus is praying before he's crucified in John 17, 18, when he prays to the Father, he says, as you sent me into this world, as you sent me into this world, Father, so I have sent them into the world. The, the Great Commission verse here in 2021 really builds off of 17, 18, where he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, a some people think that the, the key or the clue to unlocking the mystery of verse 21 lies in the word sent, where he says, he, just as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And, and, and yet, even though there are two different words that the elder John uses there, if you know anything about the elder, the evangelist, you know that he likes to sometimes use different words for stylistic variations to mean this exact same thing. In, in a similar way, when he asks Peter in chapter 21, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And he flips between phileo and agape. Um, and older commentators think, well, he does that because he's trying to mean two different things. And in reality, John uses stylist, stylistic variations between words, but really just to mean the same thing. And so, others will say, well, this verse, John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you, it really is revealing the parallels between Jesus' mission and our mission. That's, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to show us the parallels. 
So here's Jesus' mission, and, and here's our mission, paralleling his mission. And, and I think it's more than just paralleling. It's, it's a little bit more than that. I would say that Jesus is deliberately modeling and making his mission the model of our mission. So he's praying, like, as the Father, high, high priestly prayer. Of course, that's the, the backdrop and the setting for this. He says, as the Father has sent me, he tells his disciples he shows up. Of course, think about when he shows up. They're scared. They're in a room. They just killed their master. He shows up. The doors are locked, but he shows up still. And he's like, hey, guys, what's up? Peace. He tells them twice, peace be with you. Like, You're shaking over there, right? Because I'm here, obviously, and I, you saw me die. Like, just peace. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm, I'm sending you. Here's something really important. Really important. Nice, long, dramatic pause to get your attention. You cannot understand the mission of the church unless you understand the mission of Christ. I'll say it again. So sometimes pastors repeat themselves for emphasis. You, you can't understand the mission of the church unless you understand the mission of Jesus. You just can't. You think about his mission. And so oftentimes what we see today, and I saw this sometimes in my graduate classes in seminary, we sometimes oversimplify the mission of the church. What's the mission of the church? And I hear a lot of times evangelism or church planting. And those aren't bad things. Those are really good things. Evangelism and church planting. We should, we should want to do those things, but those things aren't commanded. And that's why I say those things are, I think to say those things are, are they're not false things. They're just incomplete things to say that's the mission of the church is evangelism, church planting. Not false, just incomplete. We're not commanded to go and save people. We're commanded to go and make disciples. We're commanded really to embrace everything that has been modeled for us by Christ himself. And that's really reflected very much in that Matthew 28 passage as well. It says, go, baptize, and then teach them everything I taught you. Let's say, I think it's inferred both, teach them everything I taught you, both, both in word and deed. One of the things that John the Elder, the evangelist, as he's also referred to, who's writing this, one of the things that he emphasizes throughout his 21 chapters of John is this perfect obedience that the Son has in all things to the Father. Everything that the Son does is because the Father has commanded him. He doesn't do anything that the Father hasn't commanded him. And that very much begins this model for us. As I, as I said, kind of my, my premise to this message is, you can't understand the mission of the church unless you understand the mission of Jesus. And one of the things, this almost overarching theme from chapter 1 to chapter 21 of John's gospel is this perfect obedience of the, of the Son to the Father. And what does he say in this Great Commission verse, in, in verse 21 of chapter 20? He says this, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So the Father, he sent me, and in that same way, I'm sending you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. 
That's why it's so important that we understand the mission of Christ, because without understanding the mission of Christ, we can't understand our mission going forward. What, what does that look like? Well, to some degree or another, it looks like that perfect obedience in all things that the Son has for the Father. And of course, at the heart of the mission of Christ is the gospel. It goes without saying, so I'll say it anyways. At the heart of our mission is the centrality of the gospel over and through all things. We boil the gospel down to four words, like life, death, burial, resurrection. The centrality of the gospel flows through all things. It is central and is central not just to Christ's mission, but is central to our mission. If you don't know the gospel, you don't know Jesus. If you don't know the gospel, you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you can't go and be sent. Sent to do what? I don't know because you don't know the mission that Jesus had in living the life we could not live, in dying the death we should have died, in paying the price we could not afford to pay. So, at the heart of this mission, right? So the Father sends the Son, boom, He's on His mission. And so, just as the Father has sent the Son, so the Son is sending His disciples. We are the sent out ones. On mission. Right? We're, we're on mission. We've got a mission, church. And yet, for many people within the local church, I, I don't know that they're aware of this mission. Because... Many churches live their lives with zero urgency to execute the mission given. We live our lives as if there's nothing at stake. As if it's optional whether we're going to be the sent out ones. Whether it's optional whether we're going to go and make disciples. You can't love people if you're not making disciples. You can't. So I really want to love people. Great, go make disciples. Well, what does that look like? Well, for one, it looks like teaching them the things that Jesus has taught you. Practically, how do I know the things that Jesus taught me? Well, we've got 66 books here. It's a start. This is what we need. One of the reasons we should read our Bible. So we, we know. How do we teach somebody something if we don't know what it is that we're supposed to teach them? We're supposed to, to share this good news. And so, oftentimes, I think within the church today, there's major stumbling blocks. Major stumbling blocks that we come across. This mission... The Father sent, just as the Father sent the Son, so the Son, he's, he's sending us out on mission to make disciples. It's often we come across stumbling blocks because this idea of being on mission is often compartmentalized within the church today. And it is the compartmentalization of, of this mission that creates a stumbling block because we don't view the everyday parts of life as mission. This is kind of what I mean by that. You say, what does it exactly mean to compartmentalize things? 
So we view mission as, all right, we're going to service Sunday, right? Service, 4.30, boom, mission. Or small group, mission. Or Thursday night small group, or mission, or LFL, or Christmas caroling, mission. And so all these events become almost compartmentalized. So when are we going on mission? Oh, we're going on mission Sunday at 4.30. When are we going on mission? Well, for those of us who are dudes who go to LFL, we're going on mission Monday night, or Tuesday night small group, or Wednesday night for caroling, or Thursday night for small group. And so everything mission-oriented and mission-related is compartmentalized and, and boiled down to an event on that day at that time. And that creates a major stumbling block when you view mission that way. And unfortunately, that's the way that many people today view mission. That's the way that many churches view mission. And then that, that becomes problematic, and, and I'll, I'll talk more about that in a moment. But the fact is, is that many people, most people, spend really two-thirds of their lives between work and home. I mean, if you're working a 40-hour work week and you... You're at home for eight hours a night, plus a couple hours here and there. Like you spend really two thirds of your life between home and work. And those, those areas usually are considered, well, those are, those are non-ministry spaces considered by many people. Work and home, non-ministry spaces, right? Because ministry and, and mission, well, those are those event-oriented thi- oriented things. And in addition to that, the stumbling block becomes even larger for us to be the sent ones on mission to make disciples of all nations. Because in addition to that, most people still believe the church is a place that you go to. A lot of you guys have been hearing this from me this semester. Most people still view church as something that you go to. You know, for two hours on Sunday and maybe another two hours, if you go to a small group, that's that's how they see things. Um, also problematic, because sometimes people get discouraged because they're like, "Man, I, you know, I'm only doing, you know, I'm going and doing two hours on Sunday, and I'm doing two hours a small group, and that's four hours, and if I take out eight hours a night for sleep, I'm left with 112 hours during the week, and that two hours on Sunday and two hours for small group, well, that's only a little less than 3.5% of my actual allotted hours, and I don't feel like I'm making that much of a difference. I don't feel like I'm doing maybe enough ministry or as much ministry as I'd like to do. And so they get discouraged by that. And then some people are like, well, that's just too much time, and I'm... We have another conversation. I'm like, what, 3.5% of your allotted hours during the week is too much time? And we have a separate conversation um, for those people. But for the other people, I think a lot, a lot of people I know struggle with, I, I don't feel like I'm making a big enough difference. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a member. I've joined the church. I'm, you know, I've got my covenant commitments. And I, I want to be a part of the church. I'm going to service on Sunday, and I'm going to small group. But that's just, you know, you're such a tiny percentage of my time. And so, so... So many Christians then, they oftentimes I think they get discouraged because they see themselves really only on mission as the sent out ones during these compartmentalized events that they go to. And it's discouraging. And they feel like, well, I'm not being fruitful in ministry. Um, I was reading an article from the Verge Network 
great, great organization. Guy was writing an article. I don't even know who the author was. You can ask me later and I can look it up. But he was just kind of writing an account on this idea of mission and discipleship and, and being the sent out ones, right? As the father has, has sent the son, so the son sends out his, his disciples on this mission. And so he's saying, yeah, my dad and I, we went, the guy writing this article, he said, my dad and I, we went out to go fishing, just having some, you know, time together. Uh, and, Catching up on life. And it's nice when you can have those moments, hang out, take a walk, go to coffee, catch up on life. And his dad starts sharing with him how he's really excited because his, his church just hired a discipleship pastor. And, and now he's so excited because, because they hired a discipleship pastor, he finally gets to learn how to make disciples. And the author the whole time is thinking, that's problematic. Because whether the church acknowledges it or not, the idea of hiring a discipleship pastor, and hiring pastors are a good thing, but hiring a discipleship pastor has betrayed the very idea that the church doesn't see everything they do as mission or as discipleship. And so within the church, we often compartmentalize things, right? Got the evangelism pastor, got the teaching pastor, I used to refer to myself as a teaching pastor. I was like, you got to take that off the website. I'm just the pastor. I'm just one of the pastors. I'm just a guy. I'm just a dude. Whatever. Um, it's not wrong to hire pastors who want to, but, but I see this in a lot of, especially larger churches. They've got a pastor for admin, a pastor for this, a pastor for discipleship. So everything becomes compartmentalized. And so that's your lane. That's your lane. Okay, you, you do the teaching, right? You, you're doing the discipleship, right? You, you're, you're doing the admin. You, you're doing this. And, and it becomes problematic because we start compartmentalizing things like mission and discipleship when in reality, you will not see this example in the New Testament. You will not. Yes, people are gifted in different ways. I'm not denying that. But you will not see this example in the New Testament when it comes to mission. As I said, by premise at the beginning of this sermon, that you cannot understand the mission of the church unless you understand Jesus' mission. You just can't. Jesus' mission was never this, as he sent by the Father. All right, Jesus, I want you to go to synagogue, okay? Lock and knock out a good three hours each week on Saturday, all right? That's mission. That's discipleship. You don't see that, right? You don't see Jesus doing that. Or, hey, all right, guys, I'll see you next week. That was an awesome time in synagogue. Peace out. Okay, You don't see that happening. For Jesus, mission was an everyday, every way, part of his life. Yeah, they went to synagogue. But it didn't end there. So many of us, church, right? I'm going to come in here. I'm going to sit in these pews, and I did church. I went to church. We need to stop going to church. Probably never thought you'd hear a pastor say that, huh? We, we, we need to stop going to church. Just stop it entirely. Because the only people that go to church are non-Christians. The only people that go to church are non-Christians because as Christians, we are the church. We are the church. Yeah, we gather here. We gather here Sundays corporately at 4.30 on Sundays. We also gather corporately different times, Tuesday nights at my house, 
Thursday nights, Matt's house. It creates a stumbling block because we view church, we view ministry, we view discipleship, we view mission, we view being sent by the Son as an event. Just an event. Right, so it's, hey, I want to do some ministry. I want, I want to do some mission-minded, uh, gospel-saturated discipleship on mission. So what do we do? All right, well, what, what do you got at LCC? I mean, what are you talking about? And, and the question is, is, well, what type of programs? What type of events, right? Okay. Christmas tree, Virginia, spectacular, ordinary, extraordinary, whatever it is. Do you, no, we don't have that. Which, by the way, probably the best Christmas show I've ever seen. It, it, is, it is awesome if you've never been there at TRBC. It, it is really good. But usually, but, but that's how we approach ministry. That's how we approach this idea of being sent out. Is, well, when's the next event? Oh, I'd love to do that, but uh, it doesn't work. So when's the, ne- when's the next opportunity I can jump on, you know, the, the event train, this mission train? Well, we don't have that, but you could help with this, or you could do this. Or there's this program. And so everything bet- when it comes to missions and being sent out by the sun is, well, what program is there? What event is there? And so for e- both Christians and non-Christians, church is simply an event. It's an event that you go to. It's an event that you do. I don't think you see that in the Bible. This is what you see. You see a man named Jesus. Yeah, he goes to synagogue. But he doesn't check out then. Like, I'll see you guys next week. He doesn't do that. He goes on. He's like, all right, well, let's have a meal together. Let's eat together. Let's play together. Let's hang out together. Sometimes he teaches his guys. Sometimes he corrects his guys. They hang out. They spend time together. For Jesus, it's not just the next event. It's an all-of-life type of way to live. So I would submit to you, most, most people in the church today, they're not living their life on mission because they only see mission as being sent out as the next event. And this is something I'm trying to change in the culture of Lynchburg City Church. It's not, all right event. See, being the people of God, the sent out ones, is an all of life type of thing. I was having a text message. I was texting somebody from the church this past week and trying to brainstorm different ideas with this person. You know, what could they do for, you know, ministry things? I said, well, you could help here with the band or you could do this. Like, oh, okay, okay. I was like, or maybe you could just hang out with one of the people from small group in your prayer pod during the week and meet up with them. They were like, I love that! Like, can you do that? Is, I mean, is it, is it going to be an official church thing? Like, what's up with that? See, what I want us to see is I want us to understand mission as, as Jesus would have understood mission as an all of life type of thing. But the problem with many of us is we've got this foot both in this world and the world to come. And it's a constant pull. It's a pull on my heart, right? It's a pull, right? Between the world, because sometimes it looks so great, and and the world to come. 
And it's pulling us back and forth, back and forth. It's fighting for our attention, fighting for our affection, fighting for our time and our energies and our efforts. No. I want us to understand that, that our mission as the sent out ones by the Son, just as the Father sent the Son out, is an all of life type of way. From start to finish. And, and for a lot of churches today, they don't, they don't see ministry this way. Because ministry has become this event-driven thing. Because honestly, the, a lot of the churches that are the biggest and most successful, this is, this is the strategy. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, to snub like, like Thomas Road. Um, I, I know I mentioned the Living Christmas Tree. I think they, they do some awesome things and they have some awesome programs. And, and programs aren't, aren't bad. Like having a program for this or having those resources, that's not a bad thing. But how we think about them is what can become problematic. That's what I want you to think about, guys, is how you view that. And and, and most people don't, you know, as I said earlier, you view ministry as these events. And then so you think about, all right, well, what do I spend most of my time? Well, I spend most of my time at work or at home or on the dorm or in class. And I'm like, mission. That's mission. Like, that's a mission field right there. Oh boy, right there. I think every year as I think probably liberty becomes uh, pulled more by the world away from perhaps where it was in 71, uh, more and more unchurched, unsaved people coming, I think every year, oh, the mission field gets larger and larger and larger in this city of Lynchburg. Man, that's, that's, that's ministry. You know, the guy writing the article, he, he said, you know, it, it upset him that his dad was so excited to, you know, the discipleship pastor's coming and now he's, he's going to learn how to make disciples. And he's like, my dad didn't see that his whole life that he had been doing that because no one acknowledged or affirmed him that when he had people over to eat at their house, when they invited the, you know, their unsaved neighbors next door for dinner or to come to service or to come to small group or they went around the neighborhood singing, you know, Christmas carols or whatever it may be have, may have been or talking to people at work or in the classroom, having intentional conversations. That's ministry. That's mission. It kind of comes back to um, one of my favorite passages from 1 Corinthians 10.31 where Paul says, whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, I do everything for the glory of God. And sometimes people say, well, how do I play video games for the glory of God? Or how do I play hockey for the glory of God? Because this isn't... because. For most of us, ministry and mission is the next event. It's not the day-to-day life that we see Christ living, hanging out with, eating with, spending time with, correcting, rebuking, teaching his disciples. We don't see that. So, you know, there I am. Like, it was two weeks ago. I'm sitting in the locker room. I'm lacing up my skates, getting ready to go play um, a pickup game. I'm talking to the guy next to me, the JT. I'm talking to him before we go out and play. Goes to Randolph College. I love going to the hockey rink to play hockey because I love hockey, but I love it because I'm usually probably the only, one of the only Christians there. Um, it becomes real obvious. The F word just becomes very prevalent. Um, godless, great godless place to be at. Uh, I love it there. And, and I'm lacing up my skates. We go out, we play, we come back to the locker room. We're getting undressed. I slowly like taking my time because I'm looking at him seeing, all right, he's really going slow, but I want to make sure I get a chance to talk to him. So, Finally, I get undressed. I, walk, I happen to walk out, happen to, right? Walk out of the locker room, same time he does. And I say, hey, JT. I said, do you do anything on Tuesday nights? He was like, no. I was like, well, I have like this small group Bible study thing. You should totally come to it. He's like, 
Actually, he's like, that doesn't sound too bad. I always carry church flyers on me. I'm like, here you go. I'm like, website's right on there. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I have, oh, I think there it is right there, yeah? <laughs> Not that I seem like too over but, you know, I pull out the flyer, I hand it to him, and, uh, man, mission, right? Or, you know, I'm out, I'm on, I'm on a bike ride. I like to go out a lot. Some of you guys come on bike rides a lot with me. Go out, and I'm there two or three weeks ago, and I've told some of you guys this story already, but we're there in the at Blackwater Creek, and there's this guy, right? His name's Jacob. He's got his drone, and I'm like, whoa, it's a drone. I love drones. And so we start talking to him for about 15 minutes, and then afterwards, um, Noah, Peter, and I were just like, hey, you do anything tonight? Because we have a like small group Bible study at our house. You should totally come. He's like, um, sure, sure, I, I, I guess so. Boom, uh, here, website's right here. Just click on small groups. It has the address on there. Boom. He showed up two of the last three small groups. We need to live with that type of urgency, with that gospel-saturated, mission-minded as the sent out ones. It's not a, a okay, it's Sunday, so that's the, you know we're going to be doing ministry that day, or it's Wednesday, Christmas caroling. Not that those things aren't, but it's every day, every day. It's not, oh man, I've only been coming to small group and service, man. I feel like I'm not putting enough in. Oh, but do we live our lives every day with that type of missional mind intentionality in all that we say or do? Do we do that? I used to tell people all the time, I go to, I go to Cancun, uh, like every year for spring break. People say, you go on a missions trip? And I'd say, kinda. I'd go with Roland. You know that, you know, Noah. Um, we'd go with Roland. Every year, yeah, we're going for pleasure, but we knew we'd be going and praying like God give us opportunities. Every year we'd be sharing the gospel, having intentional conversations throughout the week with the same people. So that we might say with Paul, whether I eat or drink or play video games, play hockey, lace up my skates, go on a bike ride, go to Mexico during spring break, one of the most godless times to go. We do everything for the glory of God. Why? Because we are the sent out ones. Just as the Father sent the Son, so the Son is he's sending us on that mission. Although we might live that way. People say, man, if I only had more opportunities. And so often we think, well, we have to go on mission. We've got to take that trip right across the Atlantic. And yet some of us, we're not willing to go on mission with our next door neighbors. That's a problem. That, that, that compartmentalized event focus. Okay, now I'm doing ministry. And you can't like talk to people. It should be the way we live our lives every day. I mean, I, two months ago, I go with, I take two guys from the church and Diana. We're going out to dinner at uh, Cracker Barrel. Okay? Ministry. You're just going out to eat. Ministry. Right? I'm, I'm inviting guys to come in and watch and see how I live my life, right? Go and make disciples, teaching them all the things that I taught you. So I'm inviting guys to come to dinner with me and Diana to see, to see life. We're just going to eat a meal, but who knows what's going to happen. So they say, we've got a 15-minute wait. Okay, 15-minute wait. Well, what are we going to do? Well, I happened to notice there was a woman out on the street holding a sign, panhandler. I'm like, we've got 15 minutes, let's go talk to her. I don't know if this guy who came with me, if he had ever talked to a panhandler before, but guess what? He's going to have an opportunity to do right now. Okay? Ministry. Discipleship. So we go. We talk to Marcella. And I'm like, Marcella, what's going on out here? And she's telling me her story, and we're trying to understand. Like, can we get you anything to eat? So we go back in. We come back out an hour later. And she says, she starts crying. She's like, I didn't think you were going to come back. People don't come back. So she's crying, and... And we just, she starts opening up and pouring out her story. 
And then we start, we're praying for her. Oh, that we might live our lives on mission in an everyday, every way type, type of thing. I, I take one of the guys with me to New Jersey. I take Noah with me to New Jersey. I'm going to spend a couple days up there. I don't know. I think we're just going to go have a fun time. Go see a Rangers game. Go hang out in the city. Ah, oh, mission. And so we're there Thanksgiving, right? And uh, the two guys, two Chinese students, uh, foreign exchange students, they had come the year before. Roland's dad is very missional minded, my best friend. And so he wants to bring these people in, right? We want to, we want to sometimes go and hang out in groups with unbelievers. And sometimes we want to bring them into our groups. And so there we are. And, and we're hanging out. We're playing Nerf guns. We're kind of reenacting, reenacting, you know, ancient battles. And, and, uh, it's like a bloodbath. And, uh, you know, then we're playing games, we're eating, we're feasting, it's awesome. And then toward the end of the night, like, I just felt like God just kind of grabbed me. He's like, you're going to talk to these guys tonight. And I was like, okay, God. Um, and I, so I, I pull, I said, I said, no, I said, some, I asked Noah to cover for me because we had to take one of the other people home. So Noah went with Roland's dad. I told Roland, he's like, I got your back. So we go in there and like for an hour, like I'm preaching, like I'm explaining them the gospel. They, they had heard the story of Jesus. Like they knew life, death, burial, resurrection, but they didn't understand why they needed Jesus because in their mind, they're good people. They're, they're over, they're good moral people. They didn't understand how they broke God's law, that they stand condemned. Um, and under the judgment of a holy, righteous God. And, and uh, you know, the guy's pushing me back. The one guy, Sheldon, his American name, he's pushing back a little. But I, I'm trying to help him understand, right? Teaching him all the things that the Christ has taught us. Oh, that we might live on mission. Whether we eat or whether we drink, whether we're in class, whether we're at work, whether we're going home for three days for Thanksgiving break, that we might have that mindset. Mission's not just the next event, guys. It cannot be the next event. It cannot be. People are dying and going to hell. That should upset you. That's upsetting me right now. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Church, here, this, this is, this is a service, okay? Because church primarily doesn't take place in here. Church primarily takes place every single day. Sometimes in groups of two or three or four of you, sometimes just one on one with another person, with a coworker, right? If people, if, if, and these are Christians and non-Christians, but if people, if all they think of church is an event that you go to, then they're going to think that the rest of their life really doesn't matter for anything at all. They're going to think that the rest of their life really doesn't matter for anything at all if all they think of is church is just the next event you go to. And it must matter. Oh, that we might live our lives and make it count for something of eternal significance. That we might live with this type of missional-minded intentionality, gospel-saturated as the sent-out ones by the Son from the Father. So that's what I had to say to you guys tonight. And as the band comes, I want to pray for all of us in here right now. Uh, Lord, we love you. Lord, for the, I don't know, 30, 40 of us in here tonight.
pray that some of the people in here may be encouraged. Some of them, maybe they've been feeling like, man, I just, I can never, you know, do enough ministry or I can never be intentional enough for, you know, and, and because no one's really ever affirmed what the fact that they do live their lives on mission all the time. And there's others of us in here, God, where we don't so much. And we should. Every day. Whether we're lacing up our skates at the ice rink or going to the next class or trying to just make it through the Venn diagrams of Math 115 or whatever it may be that, that we might be thinking of the world beyond the one we live in currently that we're just passing through. Lord, help us to be like you. Help us to to be like you, just as you submitted to your Father in perfect obedience to everything, I pray that we would submit to you in perfect obedience of all things, including the mission that you gave us to go as your sent out ones. But um, sometimes that, that's hard and it's intimidating and it's scary and it's unnerving. And so I ask that you'd help us, that you give us courage in those moments. Um, I mean, I got a little nervous when I was talking to that guy, JT, at the hockey rink. I almost pansied out and, and, and didn't talk to him. And, and I know that sometimes it can be scary. So help us. Help us to live in obedience to you in all things. Amen.